0: This morning, we are, are kind of coming to the end of the series that we've been journeying through, the uh, eight I am statements of, of Jesus and the statements that he made. And um, I've stood up here and said to begin every sermon that the reason we're doing this isn't just to know more Bible, right? It's not just to know more about where it's found when Jesus says that he is the bread or he is the light. But like in any relationship, the only way a relationship grows is by intentionally seeking, spending time, quality time with the person we're in that relationship with. And it's the same with Jesus. And and we understand that Jesus may not speak to us the way our wife or husband speaks to us. And, And Jesus may not audibly speak to us, but there is something about when you spend time with God that the Spirit of God does fill you and is present. And none of us can really explain that other than to say that we've been there, we've experienced it. And that's why we gather here on Saturday mornings. It's to worship that God, but it's also to learn more about who God is and who Jesus is. Because we believe, and you'll see in the sermon here, that to know God and to know Christ is to experience life in its fullness. And we want to be a part of the community of people who experience Christ now and also into eternity. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we are all here for different reasons. There are some here who would rather be somewhere else. But Father, we know that we are here and you are here. And so my prayer now is that as we read these words that we've read hundreds of times, it's my prayer that you would speak into each person exactly what they need to hear this morning. So that as we leave this place, we would leave a little bit more or a little bit closer to who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So there's this passage that's on the screen that you have all heard a bunch of times if you've grown up in the church. It's nothing new. It's easy, right? This sermon can literally be preached in probably 90 seconds. Because it's right there. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Period the end, go home and have an early lunch. I mean, isn't, isn't that the truth? See, the, the difficulty with being a preacher sometimes is that some passages are so simple and you already know what the end is, why would you subject the church to sit through 20, 30, or 40 minutes worth of teaching? So what I'm going to do this morning is we are going to get to this verse, but we're going to look at the whole passage to kind of see why Jesus is saying, what he is saying. I promise I won't go 30 minutes today, I don't think, but that's what I always say. We're just going to spend a few moments just looking at this passage in its entirety and understanding why Jesus is saying this, what it means for us, and how we can participate in what this means. So let's just jump right in. And verse 1 in John chapter 14 says this, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now when do we hear this passage often? When we get together for what? Funerals or memorials, right? So this is a comfort text. This is a passage that's in Scripture that we often come to because we know that Jesus is about to say something whose sole purpose is to bring you comfort and hope and take fear away from you. So Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. Do you know where they're going on the way to where? The store? On their way to potluck? No, Jesus is having this conversation after they've had the last supper and now Jesus is on his way with the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus knows that he is about to be arrested, beaten, and ultimately crucified. So this isn't one of Jesus's teachings where Jesus is 31 years old and he's sitting on the side of the mountain and everything is fine and they're gonna have a meal afterwards and there's still three years to go no this is there are hours to go before Jesus is arrested now I know that you may not believe me but when I was in high school I was a pretty awesome athlete just kidding that's a that's a pastor joke but I did play sports and um, the sport that I played uh, my freshman year was football, and I'd never played football in an organized way, right? My parents, I mean, I, I was lucky I was able to play in high school because, you know, it was after school and I walked home, so it was fine, right? My mom and dad didn't have to worry about it. They didn't have to pay any money back then. We did fundraising, right? So I'd never played football before, never put on a football helmet, never put on shoulder pads. Um, I didn't know, I, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I watched it on TV but I didn't know anything about what slots were called. I didn't know anything, I was, was embarrassing, but I still got to play. But I be, before every single game, I would get so nervous. It was that feeling inside you that was almost crippling and paralyzing, probably because I wasn't the biggest guy, I mean, I I practiced, I knew the plays, but I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't like those kids out there that were so excited to go out there and just, like, start hitting everyone. And that wasn't, that's not my personality. You know, I was trying not to get hit, right, because it hurts. But it was just this nervousness that was almost debilitating, and and ironically, it goes away the moment you first get hit, right? So there's pros and cons to that. But that's all I could think about. I couldn't think about the plays. I couldn't think about winning. I couldn't visualize winning or any of that, because I was so nervous. I couldn't even care what my friends were saying around me, because all I could think about is how nervous I was and how, in a sense, afraid I was to even get onto that football field. And we have this in different times in our lives. You do this when you have a difficult time in your marriage at home, and all you can think about is your own problem. Maybe you have a difficult time at work and all you can think about is how difficult it is for you to work with this person or that person. So when you and I are going through these difficult times in our lives, oftentimes, that's all you think about. And and we become obsessive and it just takes over our entire thinking and mind. And when we're in those states, we usually aren't worried about the other people in our life. When we're so consumed with our own worries and anxieties, when we're only worried about the the stuff that you have to go through, it's hard to worry about other people. Now we see this. We've all worked with someone who maybe they're having a difficult time at home, and they're just really short with us, and they're upset with us, and they just get on to you know they get on our backs for everything, and then you realize oh there was something going on, something else going on, and this was just like the overflow of what's been happening. People that struggle are sometimes with. Um, with illnesses, sometimes they don't like to tell people about their illness, and all we see is what's on the surface, and there's, there's sadness or there's anger, and we think, well, well, they're just in a mood this week or today. You see, because what affects us, then it affects other people, because we don't really know how to just, like, keep it within ourselves. Does that make sense? Like, some of you have known, like, when I'm going through a difficult time, at least Bob will always be like, what's wrong? Like, you know, he says, he's like, why well, in a mood? <laughs> And I say, I'm not. Leave me alone. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but we can see that. All right? And, and the reason I'm talking about all of this is because Jesus in John chapter 14 gives us a prescription for how to live our life even in the midst of the most troubling and difficult circumstances of our lives. Jesus was on his way to his death and we may feel like we're about to die in our life situations but Jesus was actually going to his death and I know some of you are saying well yeah but Jesus Jesus doesn't know what my sister-in-law is like or Jesus doesn't know what my marriage is like or Jesus doesn't know what my boss is like Jesus still wins because he was about to die so Jesus's heaviness was worse than anything we could experience and Jesus in the midst of knowing what's about to happen, tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Don't worry about all the stuff that's going on. Just believe in God and believe in me. Jesus was giving them something secure and stable to hold on to. Jesus is the anchor of our faith. Jesus is the one thing in this world that isn't going to waver and isn't going to go away. You know, we live in a, in a society um, where there is so much uncertainty, right? So politics is always during, during the, the election, election season, presidential usually because local stuff we don't ever really talk about. Um, but generally what I've experienced in the last 10 years, 12 years of doing ministry is that during election time is when people start beginning to say like, well, is this the president that's going to bring the end or, or don't vote for this guy or don't vote for this girl or, you know, because now it's right, both. You know, and, and that's one of those things that is always so uncertain and we don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and what ends up happening is as Christians, even as Christians, we buy into the propaganda that is sold on cable news, right? So cable news isn't there to inform us, it's there to make money, no matter which one you look at, that's all it is, right? So we like to ignore that as much as we can. But here's what happens, we buy into the fear. We buy into the fear because they'll say, well, if you, if that person becomes president, then all of this is going to fall apart. And then the other side says, well, if that person becomes president, then all of this is going to fall apart. For those of you that are older than me, hasn't that been going on for years? And yet we're still all here. Sometimes we're doing better, other times we're doing worse, but it's kind of cyclical. But you see, even as Christians, we buy into that oversensationalization, and then we start to get afraid, and we begin to fear, and Jesus says, look, don't worry about all of that uncertainty, because I'm giving you the one certain thing, and that is to believe in God and believe in me. And it doesn't even have to be politics. That's just a good illustration, because we're ramping up to political you know, voting season. But it can just be normal stuff in your life. How many of us have ever experienced all this tribulation and hardship in our relationships, and we just feel like, look, we're, we're drowning here? How many of us have experienced difficulty in our work, in our friendships? At church, we've even had difficulty. And the problem, I believe, is because we are not focusing our life and our soul and our eyes on God and on Jesus, and instead, we are focusing only on ourselves ourselves so much of the difficult things that we go through are self-inflicted. And I believe that Jesus says if we were just to keep our eyes on him, things would be better, not because it's superstitious, not because Jesus is going to magically make everything better just because we pray, but when we allow God to be the anchor of our lives, everything revolves around God, and our lives will inevitably be better Not because God will fix everything, but because we know that God doesn't have to fix everything in order for us to continue to walk this life of faith. So Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. This is the antidote to troubled times. Believing in God is the medicine for our hearts that we need when things are difficult. And the reason this is important is because Jesus says, and I don't know if I have this up here. Nope, I don't. In John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus prays this prayer just to show you that we don't have to just want to escape this world and go to heaven right away. Right? Because you can begin to experience God here. But Jesus says this prayer in John 17, verse 15. Jesus prays to God, I am not asking that you take them out of the world but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. You see, your life here on earth isn't just something that you have to get through. It's a life that you get to live. Jesus creates you to live in this place and in this time for God's joy and for God's glory. I know that's some theological, really thick and dense language. But you see, you are here because God dreamt of you and wants you to be alive. And as difficult as life is, God says, don't worry about the difficulty, just keep your eyes on me. And Jesus himself, his prayer for you and for me is that through the difficulty and through the turmoil, God's prayer is that you would be protected. Not that you would escape this place, but that you would be protected. And the reason that that's there is because you get to serve in a very special part of God's family, right? As Christians, we get to be image bearers of the God who creates all things. Last week, we talked about how you, Jesus calls you the light of the world. You can't be the light of the world if you're in heaven. The only way that you can be the light of the world is by how you live your life in the difficulty and in the goodness. The only way that you can be the light of the world, as Jesus says, is if you are on a hill, if your life is lived in such a way that it affects other people in the positive. John 17, verse 3, and I've said this every week for the last six or seven weeks. Jesus says, eternal life is this, that you may know the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. The beginning The birth of eternity, an eternal life, you get to experience right here, right now. You see, growing up, and this is probably true for some of you, growing up, all of our life of faith was all about escaping this place and going to that next better place. And that's all we prayed for, right? God, we can't wait until you come so you can take us away to be in heaven But really, in reality, Jesus isn't even preaching that. Jesus is saying that this relationship with Christ is available here. Jesus calls that the kingdom of heaven. See, I used to think growing up that the kingdom of heaven was heaven. But then when I went to school, I realized that the reason that Jesus says kingdom of heaven only in the book of Matthew is because he was writing to a Jewish culture. And Jewish people would never use the word of God, right? They don't take the name, they they wouldn't, it's too holy, it's too good. So that's why Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven. If you look at the last three gospels, it's always the kingdom of God because it was okay to use the word God to these other cultures. Jesus talks about it and he says it is at hand, it is here. You can begin to experience it. This is why we gather here on Sabbath mornings because this is how we get a glimpse into this relationship with God. And it doesn't just happen in this building. It happens anywhere and everywhere you go because you carry with you, the Bible tells us, the spirit of God within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's just not to tell us to eat healthy, but it's to show you how much God loves you that he chooses to live within you. And we don't really have words to explain that. So if you're our guest, if if Christianity is new to you and you're just like, "Uh uh-oh, they're talking about that weird stuff again. No, we acknowledge that we can't fully grasp what it means that God lives within us. All we know is that the scripture tells us that that's true. And the scripture tells us that God uses us in such a way to be his messengers to this world. And there is no better way to be a messenger of God in this world than in the difficult times of our lives. Because when you experience the difficulty, that is when your faith is forged. I mean, your faith is already present before, but, but difficult times really reveal who and what you believe in. So Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he goes on and he says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Um, some of our Bible translations say mansions. Others say rooms. There's a big theological debate as to which word it actually means. Um, it's not a word that is used often when it is used in the New Testament. It's always just used for rooms, right? So rooms, and there's wedding language here that we're not going to get into. But he says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I, why would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? You see, Jesus is functioning. I mean, he, these words are hitting every part of society in different ways, but the point of this is that there is room in the family of God for you. And there, is, and there doesn't just happen to be room. But God makes room for you because he wants you to be a part of this family today. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be and you know the way to the place where I am going. This isn't just about a physical location for God. This is about relationship. It's always easier to be in relationship with someone when you are in their presence and you are intentional. And Jesus wants you to be in relationship with him. There's a passage in scripture where Jesus calls you friend, right? In another Bible, in another Bible verse, I believe it's John chapter five, The Bible says that a servant doesn't have a room in the father's house, but only a son and a daughter have a room in the father's house. And Jesus is echoing that language and saying that there is room in God's home for you. And he says, you know where I am going, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Now, again, for you and me today, we know where Jesus is going. We have the whole story in one place. We know how it ends. For the disciples, they didn't know so much. They knew the basic stuff, but they couldn't understand that Jesus had to die. And so he says, you know the place where I am going. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? So again, Thomas, a disciple, one of the 12 of Jesus' disciples, closest friends, the ones that were with Jesus for three and a half years, even he wasn't fully understanding to which Jesus answers in a way that still is baffling to some. Thomas said, Lord, we did not know where you are going. Let me see if I did this on purpose. Yeah, so it's not in there. I, I must have skipped, accidentally erased it. But that's in verse 6 and 7 where Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And listen to what he says. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So how do we know the Father? Through Jesus. How do we have a relationship with God? How do we enter into this kind of divine relationship with God? Through who? Through Jesus. And how do we learn about, how do we learn about Jesus? Through Scripture. Now, the Holy Spirit will, I believe, the Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals to us as we are reading the Bible. But that's why we're having this sermon series. See, I want every single one of you to be in this eternal relationship with Christ. Jesus says that if you are, you are one with Christ, just as Jesus the Son is one with God the Father. Again, language that baffles even the smartest people. But we're doing this because I believe that if you can enter into this relationship with Christ, first of all, not only is your assurance of salvation is is cemented, but also because it will improve your life tremendously. It will give you the ability to live in such a way where God's joy will be made complete and God's peace will be complete in you. And it doesn't mean that, you know, all of the stuff, all of the bad stuff that happens will stop. No, it's still going to happen. That's just the way the world is. But when, we, when our anchor is set in Christ, we will be able to get through all of that. Now, when Jesus says, I am the way, what Jesus is saying is that he is our guide for how to live in this time and this place. When Jesus tells us that he is our, he is the way, he is the guide that leads us to this eternal relationship with God. When Jesus says that he is the way, he is making God known to us in a way that humans could understand. If Jesus is our guide, then it requires us as followers to trust and have faith in Jesus. You see, when Jesus says that he is the way, whenever you've had to follow someone, right, if you're, if you're going somewhere and you're following them, you trust that they know where they are going. Just a couple of days ago, I, um, I got together together with the pastor from the Costa Mesa Church and we decided to um, go on a bike ride to the beach so we take the Santa Ana River Trail and um, I don't ever ride with people because I'm super amateur Um, so much so that if you saw on Facebook I fell off my bike uh, last Sunday and I hadn't even started riding so crazy yeah so embarrassing right so I like to ride by myself because I can see everything Um, But the way I suppose real cyclists do it is they go in in groups because it 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 takes uh, it's just smarter because you can draft behind people and you expend less energy and you help each other out and you can go faster all that stuff that goes with it, and so he said to me, he said, "All right," he said, "I will break I will break the wind and you go right behind me." And so he says, "What I need?" And we went with another friend of mine. Another friend of mine from the hospital who wanted to come ride with us. And so so basically he said all you have to do is be about 6 to 8 inches or 10 inches from the back tire. And you have to trust that the person in front is going to warn you of anything that's coming up. So if there's like a rock or something, you you know, you'll point to it. But all you're worried about is looking at the tire and at at his butt. He goes, basically, that's what you're looking at. And you don't have to worry about what's in front, because the guy in the front is going to warn you, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you. This is literally what he said. He says, so you just have to trust me. And he's been writing for, I guess, like 25 or 30 years, so he knows what he's talking about. And so I trusted him. And I was afraid, though, because sometimes I would pull off to the side just to see if there's anybody in front of us, because if you've ever if you've ever ridden there, there's families that'll go and they get in the way. And if you're clipped into your shoes, it's so much easier to fall off. And at least for me, because I'm not a pro. But he said, just trust me. And then my other friend, who he said hadn't ridden in two years, um, I didn't trust him so much. <laughs> you know, and so I kept, kept trying to get in front of him and just letting him, I, I'd tell him, like, just get in the bag. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll break the wind for you. But you see, when Jesus, and, and, and this is like, when Jesus is our guide, we entrust our whole lives to him. Because Jesus is the, listen, Listen, when I say things like Jesus is the, is, um, it, it is in Jesus that we get to live the abundant life and the fullness of life, that's not me trying to be positive. We are just using the words that Jesus himself used to teach us. So Jesus knew that you were going to be here on this earth for a while. And in God's grace, he still wants you to be able to live the best possible life here before you get to live into whatever eternity is like, because no one knows what heaven will be like. No one knows what eternity is going to be like. All we know is that it's going to be better than our, than our wildest expectations. But you see, we word, use the words of Jesus because we want to experience this relationship with Christ, and he is our guide, and he says, I will guide you through all of the terrains of life. All you have to do is trust me. And the way that you get to trust someone is by spending time with them. So when Jesus says, I am the truth, it's when he says that this is eternal life that you may know the one true God. Now, everybody can make truth claims about all sorts of things and about God and about faith and about religion, but Jesus tells us that his way is the one true way. And so our only response is to Christ, is to trust him and say, okay, Jesus, you lead the way. And then lastly, he says, I am the life. And if you feel like what I've been saying has been repetitive, it's not because that's how we designed this teaching, it's because Jesus, in all his wisdom, knew that all of these teachings fit together. Jesus says, I am the life true life, real life, meaningful life, purposeful life, can only be found in relationship with Christ. I believe that. And that's why I've dedicated my life to being a servant of God in this church through the preaching of the word, through the study of scripture. Because I believe that if you can have a relationship with Christ, everything will be better. So as we end, right after Jesus says all of that, Philip says, Lord, Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied, right? So Jesus just went through all this, and Philip, one of the other disciples, says, okay, well then just show us who God is. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And here's why this is important, and I'm going to close with this. You see, we live so much for heaven Right? We say things like, when I, I just can't wait to be in the presence of Christ because I know that when we, when we get to that place, then all the difficulty and all the struggles and all the bad will finally be made right. right? I can't wait to be in the presence of God because when I get there, then I'm going to ask him this, this, and this. But Jesus has this message. He says, listen, have you had the Bible this long and still you keep looking for that when you already have 100% access to God now? This is Jesus' message for us here in the city of Orange in 2016. Jesus says, have you had my story, my scriptures? Have you had a picture of who I am this long, and yet you're still waiting for some time in the future? Because guess what? If that's what some of you are waiting for, some of you will live your entire life, and you will go to sleep in the Lord, and you will not see Christ until the day of the great resurrection. And why would you want to wait until then to experience the fullness of life when it's available today? It's like one of those things when, when people fall in love and, you know, and maybe they're a little bit older in life and, 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 and they say things like, I wish I had met you when I was 20 years old because then we could have spent our entire life together. Here's the thing, we don't ha- it doesn't have to be like that with our relationship with God. You don't have to wait until some time in the future to have it. You have it accessible to you today and now. And if you have given your life to Jesus, if you say, yeah, I, I've given my life to Jesus, you have access to that right now. And perhaps you haven't been tapping into that. But God is always willing and always ready to pour into you. Because what God cares about is relationship and about being, about relationship, and about you being in his presence. And so as we, as we are getting kind of to the end of this sermon series, I just want to keep reminding you and encouraging you and inviting you. Spend time in the scriptures. Spend time in the gospels. If you're not going to read anything else, people, I just had a friend of mine tell me, You know, he bought this really nice Bible, and he says, I have it. I carry it everywhere I go in my backpack. He says, but I don't really know where to start. And I said, just start in Matthew. I said, and if there's parts you don't understand, you can skip over them. God's not going to get mad at you. Like, it's okay if you don't understand something, but don't stop because something doesn't make sense. Because all you're doing is just being in the presence of God in a very intentional way. And the Holy Spirit is going to show you what you need to know as you go along. And some of the stuff that perhaps is more difficult to understand, maybe it's difficult to understand because you have to get a little bit further in your journey before you can really understand what's happening. And so my, my encouragement and invitation to you is, if you're saying, you know, I believe in Jesus, but my relationship with God hasn't been that great, step number one, just get into the Scripture. There's nothing magical that happens in it, but the Holy Spirit works in ways, and he uses the Bible, the words that are in Scripture, to teach us, to mold us, to shape us. And the more you expose yourself to that, the more God has to work with. And, um, and, and I, you know, we have, um, and I guess I didn't plan on saying this, but I know that when, when our brother Kurt was around, he used to always tell me that he loved to memorize Scripture because that is one of the ways that God would work through him and teach him and show him and allow his faith to grow because the more that he had to work with, the more God had to work with and the more his faith was deepened. And I believe that to be true. That's why our children memorize Bible verses because we believe that God does amazing things through that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that the road that you speak of is one that chooses you over everything else in this world. And living in this country, Lord, with the abundance of everything that we have, sometimes it's difficult for us to choose you. But my prayer and my supplication to you for myself and for my brothers and sisters is that we would always choose you, that we would make you the center of our lives and the anchor of our faith, so that we might be witnesses and lights in this world for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.